Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message, and I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Ever had a moment like that? Like, what do you do on the 16th second? You finally accomplished the goal. You got the promotion you've been working hard for. You finally bought the car of your dreams. You finally got your first place your, to live out on your own. And if you're like Kyle Martin, you've probably had that feeling. Like, it's awesome for a little bit of time, not near as long as you thought it would be. And then, as he says, that 16th second comes, and what do you do? What do you do when all of those feelings have gone away? You know, we live in a world that really prioritizes production, and I know that's true within my own life because I am guilty of so often when I meet somebody, I'll get to know their name, I'll learn a little bit about them, and then I'll ask them this question. I'll say something to the effect of, so what do you do? And you know what I mean by that, right? What do you do for work? But just the question itself is interesting. What do you do? What do you produce? What have you achieved in life? What do you do with your time that is productive? That's really the question that I'm asking because we value production. And it's really been ingrained in us from even a very small age. Like, have you ever thought about the way that it is in elementary school? And elementary teachers, I'm not about to knock you. This is just the way that it is. It's not wrong. It's just the way that it is. But do you remember in elementary school how they gave out awards? And you're like, I want to be the top reader. I want to be the science star. I want to be the spelling bee champ. And we started handing out approval points in the form of ribbons, even at Bible camp, okay? The place that we should just value every person for years and years and years. We had an award called Camper of the Week. Maybe that's how it was called at your camp. At Gulf Coast Bible Camp, we actually called it Mr. and Miss GCBC. It's like this Miss Universe pageant or something like, who can be the best kid at camp? You handed out the Bible Award and the Servant Award. And it's ingrained in you from an early age that I want to achieve that. And what happens as adults? It ingrains in us a mindset, if we're not careful, that our salvation is something we must earn, that we must do so many good things and receive so many awards and accomplishments and goals in order for God to value us and to approve of us. But it's not just that. It's this idea called bootstrapping. Do you remember that phrase? I'm going to pick myself up by my own bootstraps. That's a fun little phrase to really picture in your own mind. I don't know what that actually looks like, but I've got an image and it's absolutely hilarious. But if you think about that idea, if you've ever heard that before, it's this idea of pulling yourself out of a difficult situation on your own ability or accomplishing things in life that you did by your own power. And it sounds really good in theory, but in practicality, it's a complete lie because there's not a single one of us that has gotten to where we are today without the help of other people. You name the most successful person in life who built a company from scratch, from the ground up, and it's become super successful. Well, they didn't get there on their own merit. They got there through the help of other people. But when we buy into that narrative of bootstrapping, we think it's only about us. And we begin to lose the value of other people in our lives and the ways that others have helped us all along 
the way. I think there's just something else within us that just wants to have something to measure, something to show that when I look at the ways that I've produced in life, I can calculate it, I can track it, I can measure it, look at all of these different ways that I have been successful. But then I think the fourth way that we prioritize production, and it's not a great way, but it's this idea that we become hyper-focused in one area of our life So we can be super successful there because we want to kind of cover up and not worry about the areas of our life where we're not being successful. You've seen it in the the story of the typical parent who's super successful at work and is moving the ladder, but at home is really failing as a parent or as a spouse. I'll just confess to you this morning that up until the time we moved here, that was my story. I was working a lot, saying yes to everyone but my family, involved in a lot of different things, things you would say are successful, good things, helping a lot of people. But I knew I was not doing a very good job as a dad and as a husband, but I didn't know what to do about it. So what did I do? I just pulled down on working harder because at least be one successful in one area of my life rather than thinking about the ways that I'm failing in another. Praise the Lord, God brought us here and my calendar hit the reset button. And I'm not saying I'm doing an incredibly better job, but hopefully at least realization has been some type of difference in my family. And just brought this awareness that I value production, and maybe you do too. The reason why we're talking about that is because of this series that we're in called Walk Worthy, and of a line that Baxley just read to us out of Colossians chapter 1, and this prayer that Paul is giving to us, he's praying for us to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And we talked last week about how that's such an incredible challenge to think, how can I walk worthy of the Lord? How can I live in a way that's worthy of God? Yet, Paul prayed for us to do that, which means we can and we will if we will focus on the things that he's telling us to do. So last week we talked about how you can walk worthy because God's filled you with his spirit. He's rescued you from darkness and he's transferred you into his kingdom and he's brought you into this new way of living that is worthy and is pleasing to him. And you can do that through the power that he's given to you through his spirit. But today I want to focus on the next line in his prayer where he says, you can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good way. Now, a few years ago, if I had taught this lesson about bearing fruit or producing fruit, it would have gone along the lines of, you need to examine your life, you need to look at the fruit, the fruit is the results, what is your life producing? And if you're not satisfied with the results, if you don't like the fruit that your life is producing, well, it's time to buckle down, it's time to rise and grind, it's time to get up a little extra early, spend more time in the Word, you need to do something else for the Lord, add to your schedule things that are better, But that's not what I want us to think about today. Those things, I think, have a proper time and place to a degree. But actually what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look through Paul's prayer and interpret it through the eyes of the words of Jesus and through a story in of Jesus that I think will give us a better understanding of what Paul is saying when he says you can walk worthy by bearing fruit we're going to read this morning come from the very end of Jesus' life. Now, you think about the end of Jesus' life on this earth before he's crucified. He's under a limited time, and he's going to communicate to his 
disciples how they're going to change the world. And you think about, okay, if you're there, what would you expect Jesus to say to tell his disciples, here's what I want you to do. You can change the world. You would expect like a game plan, right? Here's what you're going to do. Maybe some action steps. You're going to start here and then you're going to do this and then you're going to do this. If at the very least, if we don't get that, at least give us an organizational chart so that we can know who's in charge of this new mission that we're going to be set on. Who's number one, number two, number three? What's our pie chart or what's our organizational flow chart so that we can talk about that in the future? That's not what he does. In fact, What he does is he's not going to focus on production. Rather, he's actually going to spend his time focusing on connection. If you got your Bible, I'd love for you to join me in John chapter 15. Powerful words of Jesus where he's going to give an image to us that is very, very helpful. One that I think we will all understand. John 15, starting in verse 4. He said, remain in me. And I in you. Maybe you're reading out of a different translation and it doesn't use the word remain. It might use the word abide. We'll talk about those words here in just a minute. You know, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you produce, uh, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Or other translations say, apart from me, you can do nothing. A valuable image here because you've seen it, especially this time of the year where the leaves have fallen off the trees and now all of a sudden you start to find out what limbs are not going to make it. And at some point through all the wind that we've had recently, it knocks off of the tree and you look out in your yard and there's all these branches everywhere, right? And you look at that branch that's now been disconnected from the tree or it's been disconnected from the vine. Is it ever going to produce any more leaves if it stays disconnected from the tree or from the vine? No, it will not produce any more leaves. It won't produce any more fruit. In fact, that branch is going to die. That's the result of that branch. Because when you're disconnected from the life source, you can no longer produce anything that is living. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make that we can definitely understand. And he, and he tells us what we need to do in order to bear fruit. In order to produce something, what you're going to have to do is focus on your connection. And the way that he says that is through this powerful word, remain or abide. It just simply means be present, stay connected to, spend your energy and your time focusing on being present and being connected with the Lord. And what will come from that result is going to be something that is produced. But if you get those turned around and you only focus on the production, and you miss out on the connection, what you're going to cause is a disconnection. And as soon as you become disconnected from Jesus, you cannot produce fruit. You will not produce fruit because you have disconnected your source, from yourself from the source of life. So here's kind of our big idea today. If you want to bear fruit, you've got to prioritize connection over production. Production flows from connection. It will be a natural result, but if we don't spend time focusing on connection, then we will become disconnected. So if I could just say it even simpler, here's what we need to do. Just be the branch. Just be the branch. Spend your time focusing on being connected to the vine, to Jesus, and the fruit will take care of itself. 
There's this story in Luke chapter 10 that I think really illustrates this. It's from the life of Jesus, and he's been traveling around teaching, and he makes his way back to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, Lazarus is a very important person in the story of the life of Jesus because Lazarus is the one, if you remember, if you've read through the New Testament, that Lazarus is going to become sick not long after that, and he's going to actually pass away. But Jesus is going to perform this amazing miracle where he's going to travel back to Bethany where they live, and he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. This is this family. He's been very close with them for a long time, and this is probably the one place that Jesus can go to, and he doesn't have to feel like he's always putting on a show. He can sort of kick back. He can relax because they have a good friendship. He has a good friendship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Well, he goes to their home, and you can imagine whenever Jesus shows up, it's not just Jesus. It's his 12 disciples and some other people that are going to be traveling with him. And so when he shows up to their home, all of a sudden now, Mary and Martha and Lazarus have become entertainers. They're going to entertain this group of people. And if you've ever had company come over, then you know that that comes at a cost. You've got to get the house clean. You've got to prepare the food. You've got to have everything ready before they get there. But they, it's almost like they showed up unexpectedly because they're good friends and now everything is not ready. So Martha is running around and she's busy getting everything ready because that's what a host does. Most likely Martha is the oldest sister and she feels this need. She feels this burden of making sure that everything is perfect. And so she's in the kitchen putting away the dishes. She's fixing the meal. She's picking up the things that were left out that weren't supposed to be left out when company came over, but she didn't know company was coming over. So she's running around. In the meantime, her sister Mary, who she expects to be helping her, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Have you ever had something like that happen? You got company coming over, you're cleaning, you're cooking, you're getting everything ready, and your husband's on the couch napping, and your kids are in the room playing video games or watching TV, and you're the only one that's getting it done. And the longer you work, the more angry you get. And you don't, you don't say anything. You just start to make a little extra racket, maybe to wake them up or to let them know. Or you say things like, wow, company's going to be here soon. House isn't going to get itself clean, right? And you're just kind of dropping hints. But somebody's snoring and the kids are locked in with headsets on and you're just, you're just mad. That's what Martha is experiencing. In fact, she gets so mad at her sister Mary for not helping that it actually leads her to getting frustrated with Jesus because finally she's hit her limit and she goes to Jesus and she says these words, Jesus, don't you care? Now that's an, accu- an accusatory statement, right? There, there's now an accusation on the table that Jesus does not care. Now we know Jesus well enough to know that Jesus does care, but this is how frustrated she is. Jesus, don't you care that I am busy doing all of this work while Mary is sitting here. And the whole time she's been working, she's been thinking, and she's been fuming. The kitchen doesn't clean itself. The meal doesn't fix itself. And I know what's going to happen. Mary's going to sit at the and let me do everything. And then everybody's going to start commenting how nice the house looked and how good meal was and if she takes a single ounce of credit I'm just going to lose my mind and so help me Jesus if anybody complains about anything today I will lose my mind have I hit a nerve yet (laughs) you know what she's going through and then Jesus gives her a response that may definitely is not what she expected and it might not be what you would expect 
He says, Martha, Martha. Let me pause here. I need to see who's in the crowd. Did anybody grow up in the 90s, especially the early to mid-90s, watching Okay, all right, I'm in a good crowd of people. Do you remember the episode, Marsha, Marsha? If you do, then this is how I read Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary's made the right choice. Wait, what? You almost see Martha's jaw hit the ground. The right choice. Got to entertain all these people. Got to have a meal for the Lord himself. Got to have everything perfectly for the perfect one sitting in my presence. No, Mary made the right choice and it will not be taken from her. What Jesus tells Martha is that Mary has chosen connection over production and it was the right choice. And all of the other things that Martha concerned about have gotten her mind in the wrong place and she's not made the right choice i think there's a couple things that can happen if we value production over connection if we get them out of order one is that we will trade what's important for what's urgent because that's what martha did what was urgent was the house needed to be cleaned all the things needed to be taken care of and you know as well as i do that all the things will always be there there's always something to do and what she traded was what was urgent rather than what was important what was important was sitting at the feet of jesus and enjoying that time with him because that time was limited Psalm 39 verse 4 in the New Living Translation says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth really is. Isn't that a good reminder? Remind me how brief my time on earth really is. Had Martha known how such little time she was going to have in the presence of Jesus himself, who cares about the dishes in the sink, who cares about the meal, we will feed on the word of God who will give us a better understanding of himself as Lord and God our Father. We will value this time to behold the Lamb of God, the King of kings with our own eyes. We will sit at his feet as long as we can. The meal will take care of itself later. This is what is most important. It's a reminder to us to not make that trade because there's always urgent things that will hijack your focus and your calendar and your energy. And the sacrifice will be for what's most important. There will always be dishes to clean. There will always be emails to answer. But the most important things don't seem to be there forever. That's what happens when we value and prioritize production over connection. Another thing that happens is we become human doings rather than human beings. And if I'm honest with you, I am really good at being a human doing. I mean, like really, really good. I love being a human doing because I love doing things. I love to go do something. I don't really like to sit still. I don't like to just sit in silence. I, I, I want to do something, but it comes at a cost. And the cost is of not always being fully present with those that are around me because I'll get distracted, get distracted in a conversation about all the things that I need to do rather than just being present with the people that I'm sitting in front of. And we begin to think that our value in life only comes off we produce and off of what we do rather than just being present with those that we're with and being present with the Lord. 
So if that's you, if you're similar in your struggles, can I give you a piece of advice? Can you something to do that I'm preaching first to me? It's learn to schedule connection time. It's something that I want to do a better job of, scheduling connection time. Because the only way that it's going to happen for me is to literally put it on the calendar, to schedule it, so that I'm doing something that is connecting, blocking it out. You've got to find what works for you. But love, the greatest of these, is love. It's relationships. In the graduation speech we saw at the beginning of our message this morning, Cal Martin is going to go on to say that his desire to pursue becoming the valedictorian of his class came at a cost. It came with a cost of some sacrifices that he made that in the moment he didn't realize that's what he was sacrificing. And when he looked back on it after his achievement in the 16th second, he realized that the sacrifices he made were not worth it because of what he sacrificed to accomplish his goal. Because that's what a 16th second mindset gives you. It gives you clarity over the cost that you are about to give or have given, whether or not it was actually cost. What did it cost him? He said what he sacrificed to become the valedictorian of his class was relationships. Sacrificed his relationship with the Lord. Sacrificed his relationship with his family over his last year in high school. And he said in the speech, if you go on to watch the rest of it, it wasn't worth cost because those great achievements are not worth the cost of relationships that from the mouth of an 18 year old and the bible backs it up when we become so focused on producing we lose sight of the eternal and we become only focused on what is temporary but there is a choice you can make that will never be taken from you and that is choosing to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's eternal. It will never be taken from you. So here's what we must do today. So that we can be productive. Just be the branch. If you need to do something today, be the branch. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you need to get connected to the vine. He's the only source of eternal life. You need to surrender your life to him today. Confess his name, repent of your sins, and be baptized into Christ. But don't think that you're doing anything, because you're really not. God's doing it all within you. God is the one washing away your sins. God is the one giving you salvation. God is the one who allowed his son to give his life for you on the cross. You're not earning a single thing. You're just responding in obedience, surrendering to him to get connected to him. Today, if you're a Christian, but you've become so fixated on producing that it's come at the expense of your relationship with the Lord, you need to recognize your disconnection and you need to be grafted back in to the family of God. You need to reconnect yourself to the true vine who is Jesus himself. You can do that through a realization and through repentance, through seeking forgiveness and seeking to be reconnected to the Lord today. Our shepherds will be up front and in the back if you want them to pray for you. If you want us to pause as a church family and pray for you, we'll do that. If you want one of our shepherds to pray with you privately, they'll do that. If you need to cross the aisle and talk to a brother or sister in Christ after our service is over today, 
please do that. Please do not leave here disconnected. Today, let's all strive to be the branch. If we can help you in any way this morning, won't you let us know as we stand and sing.